history of personal computing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the History of Personal Computing eBay Edition podcast. I'm David, and I'm joined by Jeff. Hey, Jeff, what is new? What's up? What's up with you? Oh, I got water on the brain. <laughs> Me too. It's been raining all week. Oh well, all week. Fortunately, it has not been raining all week here, but it did rain some. But it was nice today. But anyway, go ahead. You might see the sun tomorrow. I'm hoping. Is it raining a lot there? Oh, every day it's the same thing. At least sixty percent chance of rain, and it it it, it, it turned out to be a hundred percent chance. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think back. Today it did not rain. It was nice. It's nice right now. I think it's supposed to be a real nice weekend. Um, and it didn't rain. It didn't rain hard, but it did rain like I don't know earlier in the week or whatever. But yeah, that stinks, and it just rains all week. Well, I, I mean, at the, just before it started raining, uh, and I'm this this is my news for the day, so I'm just going to say it right now. Um, last was it last week? Yeah, last weekend, um, I was able to show my '73 uh, Beetle for for the first time. I took it to a Volkswagen. Oh, you tweeted um, that, didn't you, or in Facebook? Yes, I or did. Something. I, yeah, I, I put it on my um, um, vintage Volt. So I I tweeted that that I had my old. 80s uh, Magnavox boombox and you know with oh, the yeah, yeah. open had it in there and everybody people were asking about the uh, the boombox boom more than anything else. Right? <laughs> you got to consider people go there they're there to see Volkswagens I and mean, this was all kinds of Volkswagens not just yeah. the older cold but yeah, it's the first time I took it to a show it was a nice ride out it started to rain in the morning um, and then it it warmed up and got sunny the rest of the uh, uh, rest of the day so I enjoyed that. I walked around, took took a look at other people's projects or well restored uh, vintage vehicles. It was, uh, you know, mine wasn't in a show winning class, but it was still fun to be mm-hmm. out there. It's part of it, yeah. Waiting for the next one, which I think is in June. And those, uh, you know, and sort of recently, uh, I've been going to more thrift stores than I normally have in recent years because I kind of gave up there for a while, and I'm not finding anything that's um, actually it's dried I, up. Yeah. Well, and I've bought some old records and a few other miscellaneous stuff, so not not old. Computer oh, you'll still stuff. find that if you want. Yeah. Like a but even even that's getting something. harder to find anything yeah. decent. But um, now, where was I going with that? <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. I was I was talking about the Volkswagen shows. You said you were going to um, thrift stores. It probably had to do with buying something. Oh my gosh! Holy cow! Why was I bringing that up? You know why? Because this is this is Friday. You oh. probably had it in your mind on Thursday, and then it just kind of went away. It oh oh! I, because I was going to say that I always go to the electronics area and look at like. The TV, you know, and so my point was is that the old boom boxes you cannot find those anymore unless no. maybe you can or you are, but I never see them. Nope. Uh, well, actually, there is a place. I mean, not ones from the eighties, you know, like the really old ones when they first or late seventies. Yeah, they really they're rose up. To find. Uh, I mean, you can find. You can find like, but it might be like uh, uh, a TV from fifteen years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And you can find boom boxes. They would they would classify as that, but they're definitely like late nineties and newer. Not not like the the you know the 
the big ones that guys carried on their shoulders that you think of like early eighties and stuff. Yeah. Like that. That's, that's what I have. Um, yeah. I should have walked around the place holding it that way. <laughs> Blasting something. Yeah. yeah yours uh, was kind of like that. Down. Yours was pretty old, wasn't it? Well, uh, the one in the well, picture, what year was that from? That one is from probably at least mid eighties. Five. Yeah. You can just kind of tell. Well, the story on that one is I bought one when it was brand new on the market when I was in Texas, and then it went bad on me like around 1989, 1990. Uh-huh. So I just kind of tossed it because I it, it stopped tuning down the band, and then one of the channels went out, and you know, you know how it was at the time. You didn't yep. you know. You didn't care. And then it wasn't until about 15. Well, it wasn't like you could like, get them fixed I either. One. I found one, and uh, it had a bad uh, – tape drive gear everything else seemed to work fine and i redesigned the gear had it manufactured and now it's working again and it makes me think of the one i bought uh in the army i want to say that was the last one i bought mine i was in the army i needed something for my my part of the barracks that was the last new one i ever bought so that was i can tell you exactly what it was so it was not basic training it was at fort gordon georgia so it was early 1991 and i you know i bought it just sort of a at the time, it was probably like $80 or something. So decent, but not real expensive. And, uh, and it had the dual cassette. So it had the, yeah. nice, the feature where you could take one cassette and duplicate it quickly. It would do it. It would yes. like play it. High speed tw- dubbing. Yep. Or, or, but what I did is I made, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? The tape where you have multiple songs on it. Mixtape. Oh, mixtape. Mixtape, yeah. yeah. Which I still have. Like the one I made for my wife, my girlfriend See, at the time. Do, oh, I didn't make any any tapes for anybody except myself. Yep. But I still have mixed tapes that I made using just one of those little tabletop mono cassette recorders. I used to record off the uh, radio, off yeah. the speaker, yeah, because uh, it didn't have a built-in radio. Uh, and I actually found one of those not too long ago, and I went into Spotify and recreated that oh. mixtape list. So now I can listen to it, listen to it again. That's what I need to do. It, it's neat. Um, Maybe maybe Before, I should post that Spotify link, make it public, and post it on on, on this uh, yeah. for anybody who's interested in it. Yeah, now, I think that. you have to have a Spotify account to listen to it in its entirety or without ads or something like that. But yeah, I think I, so. I, I pay for it because it's I think for was it twenty bucks a month? The whole family can each have a Spotify account. All right. So moving on. Um, so as of this show, we're all back to normal programming. And remember, this is the show where we take an informal look at personal computing history through the lens of eBay auctions. So it's sort of like the Antiques Roadshow program, but all about antique personal computers. And on today's show, we're going to conclude our look at the first half of the second tier of personal computing, which is the Luggables. And next show, we'll move into the second phase of portables, the earliest laptops. So again, for today, we're going to cover the Compact Portable, the Commodore SX-64, and then perhaps, as always, some other miscellaneous models or, or just other you know, random machines. What comes to mind, yes. Yeah, which I have one that's sort of random, and I hadn't looked at what yours is, so that'll be a surprise. Mine's a little random, too. Not as random as yours. So a little from Wikipedia now. So, so Jeff, you go ahead with uh, about the Compact Portable. Sure, I'll do the Compact. The Compact Portable was announced in November 1982 and first shipped in January 1983, priced at a whopping $29.95. That's $2,995, equivalent to $7,100 yeah, in last year's dollars. Um, with a single half height, five and a quarter inch, 360K drive, you know, those are expensive now, too. Um, and or you can have for 35 
$190, you can get dual disk drives. That was like $500 more. Into. That wasn't too yeah. bad, really. I guess back yeah. then it wasn't. The time, yeah. Um, considering it's better than cassette. Uh, <laughs> the the 20-pound and uh, or 13-kilogram for those who are outside of the United States. Aren't we thoughtful? Compact portable. Yeah. <laughs> Not the Wikipedia Compact is. portable folded into a luggable case the size of a portable sh- uh, sewing machine, and, and it looked like one, too. Um, Compact's efforts were possible because IBM had used mostly off-the-shelf parts for the PC and published full technical documentation for it, and because Microsoft had, had kept the right to license MS-DOS to other computer manufacturers, they gave them an edge there. Uh, the only difficulty was the bias because of containing IBM's copyrighted code. So Compact solved this problem by producing a clean room workalike that performed all documented functions of the IBM PC BIOS, but was completely written from scratch. And this is, um, you can see something similar to this in a soap opera style on the Halt and Catch Fire series that's out there. Um, two seasons have already passed. If you have Netflix, you can watch it there, but they kind of recreate that. Um, Their story sort of based loosely on Compact, right? The story is, is loosely based on Compact, and then they do other things. What they I, I got to the end of season two already, waiting for season three, and they. I don't want to give away any spoilers, but they're kind of accelerating what we know now into a time frame of the eighties. So, hmm. it's it's a soap opera, but it's it's tech soap opera. So you kind of fit it in and understand things. But and just by the way, it is, it's entertainment. Just by the way, that, that that Wikipedia entry wasn't one continuous. It sort of jumped around because that second half was just the you know the one significant thing about the compact portable was um, it it was also there was the very first fully IBM compatible. So that second part that you read was sort of like further down in the Wikipedia, you know, thing. So anyway, we don't want to have to have, read it, off. It was still paragraphs. a feat of engineering and a feat of legal engineering for them and, to bring that to market. So the Commodore SX64 was also known as the Executive 64 or VIP-64 in Europe. And it was a portable briefcase, suitcase size, luggable version of the popular Commodore 64 home computer and holds the distinction of being the very first full color portable computer. The SX64 features a built-in five inch uh, composite monitor and a built-in 1541 floppy drive. It weighs 10 and a half kilograms, which is about 23 pounds. It's funny how that entry is reversed. <laughs> Another, the, the machine is carried by its sturdy handle, which doubles as an adjustable stand. It was announced in January, 1983. So these are very close in time frames and released a year later at $995, which is approximately $2,400 today. And uh, that wasn't too bad, really, of a price. No, it, not at all. But uh, I just remember like longing for one at my very first uh, Commodore Computer Club when I was stationed at Fort Hood. I had my, I had to take my Commodore sixty four in pieces, mm-hmm. you know, monitor, disk drive, and then here's somebody there who apparently has a lot of money to burn. Yeah, um, has this SX sixty four, and everybody's crowding around it, saying "ooh ah" and wiping drool off their face. <laughs> And it was, uh, and I have one, and um, I, I've had I for a long time. Two, I think uh, one, one with uh, a Commodore sixty four Colonel ROM, and one with the SX sixty four Colonel ROM. And it's one of my favorites. But uh, yeah, it's it's totally a, a 
SX64, I know we talked about, I mean, it's a Commodore 64 and all, all rights, um, except for what, it doesn't have a cassette port, right? It doesn't have a cassette port, no. Okay. And and Shift Run will actually launch uh, the first file on disk instead of oh. where Shift I didn't Run know that. on a Commodore 64 uh, would load from tape. Yeah. Shift Run on the SX64 will be like loading the first file on a disk. I did not know that. Well, take it away. I with believe the- it does, but huh? you know, um, huh? I don't know otherwise. I mean, I I don't remember it being otherwise because I, I have one set up just so I can check a few discs from from time to time as I go through my. What Commodore was it? Shift software. Run. Let's see. Yeah, you know, the, when you uh, on the Commodore sixty four, if you hit Shift Run, uh, it does uh, press play on tape. It just does yeah. a load. Well, with the SX sixty four, I believe it launches the. Yeah, you're uh, right. I just found it listed here. So it will, whoops, back to the little Google thing. It's a fe- an added feature of shift, run, or stop, which will load and run the first program. Hmm. That's why the ROMs are slightly different. And because I have one that I had to put a Commodore 64 ROM on, it'll, do, it'll try to load from a tape that's not there or that's not ever going to be there. And huh. it even has that blue on blue screen instead of the blue on white screen. But yeah, you can swap the uh, Chrono ROMs between a regular 64 and an SX64. Never. I had to. <laughs> the first one I got was free. It was it was destined for somebody's garbage, and I picked it up and discovered it was missing a, a ROM, ch- a Chrono ROM chip. Pulled that from one of my junks, uh, Commodore 64s, and I had a working SX64. I was more than happy. Yeah, mine all works. It's in good shape, other than. Uh... The, I'm trying to think. One key, the number one key, doesn't work. Yeah, like, sometimes the keyboards get deal. messed up, and you can take them apart and clean them. But that takes you have to be careful with that. You start breaking tabs. And another thing is, if you lose the keyboard cable, yes. it looks like a deep twenty-five, but the yep. rows are just a wee bit more narrow. And you can you can make a DB twenty-five work, but you're going to kind of shove things in there. And I've seen them. I've seen a a, a made cable somewhere maybe it was at one of the vcfs or something so i guess there's somebody out there making them or people that know how to do it for people who have these yeah because those cables get lost yeah might be somebody in the group here in atlanta maybe i think knows how to make them anyway well take it away with your first yes my first auction is a guess what commodore sx64 vintage computer working condition um and Oh yeah, we think a, that you're the one you chose here and the one I chose are maybe by the same person. So while you're so go ahead and I'll pull okay. up mine and see. Well, this one um it's just a single picture. But it it's running. It has the uh the floppy drive. Uh it has the screen looks in pretty good shape. Um not too much uh skewing or you know the image looks pretty steady and stable and straight. The keyboard looks clean. He doesn't show the cable. I assume. Oh, there it is. It's tucked underneath. He just disconnected the uh, keyboard cable to uh, show the keyboard on top. Looks like he can use a little bit of cleaning. I see some dirt. And then he has some foam wrapped around the uh, handle. And the neat thing about that handle is that it's it's really it's a thick handle. Mm-hmm. So it's not like one of those tiny handles that. You see on a lot of things, um, so your your hand doesn't get tired from gripping too tight or you're know, closing too much. Yeah, and it grips on the table too, like very the whole comfortable. Place. Yeah, it's really nice. They they designed that <laughs> quite well. And basically, the guy's selling it in working condition. Sometimes these things, and it's if you're a real stickler, 
there's uh, at the hinge for the handle, there's usually a blue cap stuck on it. It's stuck on with double-sided tape. A lot of times those will be missing. Mm. This one looks like you can see the one I can on see the left one of side. them. You can't see one on the right. Uh, you can For somebody who wants it absolutely perfect. It's one picture, man. It's like, geez. One picture. And it, this one sold for 175 bucks, and whoever bought it, uh, for me, from Utah, is $43 to ship from Utah. Yeah, so me too. things are heavy. Okay, so he probably has sort of a flat rate once they got, he gets past his first zone, shipping zone or whatever it is. It's probably the same. Uh, so, and nothing fancy. It's, it's an SX-64, and the price is about average. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess depending on condition or if there was more pictures, he pr- probably could have gotten more. But yep, this is a fair price. I wouldn't call this a bargain. Uh, once shipped, it's over two hundred dollars. Because uh, they used to be cheaper for the longest time. You could always pick them up less than a hundred bucks. Yes, I know, yeah. and, and I don't know until when. But like I'm doing, also doing a quick look of live auctions, and I only see a few here. But they're all well over. Like two hundred dollars. Well, one person's asking that right off the bat. So yeah, so I I think that that's that's a pretty average price. Puts me on the fence. Like, do I want to sell mine or do I want to? Uh, I, I it's like I always want to have one of something and then a spare or something. Yeah, I had three, but I traded wow. one of them in for my uh, Commodore, um, my Amiga two thousand. So I considered that a fair trade. Hmm. And. Um, all right, so so what we're doing with this show is we decided to start taking turns. So I'll take the the next auction is uh, I went with the, a 1983 compact portable computer MS DOS version 2.11 with user disk. This is of course the description. The computer posts but has some issues. The keyboard does not seem to communicate with the computer, and uh, and it sells for fifty eight dollars out of Portland, Oregon, which would have been about forty eight dollars, which you know is pretty reasonable for that. If I had bought it, it's probably the same for you. So, um, so it needs uh, some repair. Yeah. So it boots up. Well, they got it to the A prompt. You know, when it's waiting on the date and time, does it? I guess will it finally go past that on its own? No, I think that holds. I think that's part of the. Uh, um, oh, was it that's command com? Um, command dot com. I think does that. Oh, the the enter key worked, <laughs> but it wouldn't work and oh, try to use enter a date. Then he can. Well, did this have the same five pinned in keyboard plug or was did it go through that hole there? Yeah, it's built uh, into it. So okay, I think it so. probably just needs some repair on the inside. But I think it's a standard uh AT class or no, I guess it'd be an XT class. XT, yeah. Yep. Yeah, they're on the side. But um function. But there you go. I mean, uh some, you know, it's in other than it's got an issue with the keyboard, it pretty much functions in good shape. So for that price, if you really wanted one, that's probably good. You know, you can get around the shipping part of it um, to tear it down and rebuild it. You you probably find the little things that go bad or are bad. So so take it away. Pretty cheap. All right, my next one is compact. And I, I hope I I actually forgot what they look like. So I was going blindly. Hopefully I picked the right kind of compact system. Did I? No, I picked a different one. The Portable 2. So this is a... Oh, yeah, which, by the way, the one I, I just covered, of course, was the was original an original portable. one. So Yeah, and apparently the it, there was a plus two. after it, then a 2 and a 3 and so on. But the the original one is what the 
the Wikipedia we were talking about. Kind of like, you know, when you say K-Pro, you could mean a 2, 4, or 10. Yeah. You know? So a compact portable could be a, you know, a portable or a portable 2. And this one, very good condition. Screen messages, an original carrying case. Probably doesn't have a DOS disk there. It says, yeah, uh, non-system disk or disk error. 60 bucks and about the same amount of shipping from Wisconsin. Yeah, it looks to be in great shape. And, and also, so this one is essentially the same form factor. Slight, slightly different, uh, but I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a luggable. So they same. wanted to get a bigger screen, I guess, and, and so it, they redesigned it. Yeah, kind of a nicer design. I don't think I've ever seen a, a Portable 2 in uh, real life before. The floppy drives look different. It looks like you have yeah, to have, they have little doors. front cover. Yeah, so, actually, I've never seen that before, but that's a nice shape. But it does fold up and looks like a, uh, a portable X-ray machine or a, a, a sewing machine. Oh, okay. He takes the front cover off so you can see it's a fake door at the top. It's got a hard drive in it. So, is it? Are you sure? I guess you're right. It's got the two cables. Oh yeah, hard yeah, drive. Wow, ID. not IDE. That that would be uh, MFM hard drive. And the, the fact that the thing or it doesn't boot. Oh, okay, it doesn't boot from the hard drive. But it comes with the case, the zip case to it, the canvas or vinyl case. So 60 bucks, probably real good price. It, still, these things are heavy. you got to get around that shipping. So it, it's not booting from the, whatever diskette it has, and it's not booting from the hard drive. Do you think yeah. this is set up where like, it only boots from the hard drive? I bet you that's the deal. That, uh, the port, the, in other words, the disk drive might work, but the machine... Is not set up to boot from it, maybe. You think? I. It's been a long time since I've configured MFM drives, and I believe that is a function of the controller card. Yeah, that is probably set up to only use the, you know, to only use the disk drive once it's booted from, you know, DOS from the hard drive. That's it's possible. like a hard setting. Yeah, kind of like my uh, TRS-80 Model 4 and hard drive. I have to boot from floppy to transfer the system to what's stored on the on the hard drive. Then the hard drive takes over for. Um, for I'll just say trash DOS. So that'd be the thing is just swap them. I wonder if that would work. Well, you know, if that MFM drive is just not booting because it's not told to boot, yeah, that alone is worth the sixty bucks. Hmm. They are hard to find. Yeah, they're you know for people who want to restore like their K Pros or their original IBM PCs and stuff. MFM drives are very difficult to find for a decent price. You can you can find them on eBay, but they are typically untested, and very few of them sell below fifty bucks. But of even course, untested. this would be a great system to, you know, go with an SD card solution and just go or past the original hard that, drive. Uh, that MFM kit, that like the one I bought it uh, yeah. before the show. Well, you met the guy, right? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I can't wait to get mine built. I, I didn't get it built yet. I only finished my uh, last uh, class, my yeah, my uh, college class semester uh, a week ago, actually on Sunday, and uh, I'm now like catching up on my to-do list of things, both personal and around the house. So I want to get that card built. I want to see uh, a solid-state MFM solution working for uh, my K Pro or my TRS-80. And then if I can figure out if I if I can get that to work, then I know I'm going to be buying more from that guy. And how much were they? Well, if you buy it complete, it was like 120 some dollars. Okay, but it's it's actually it's it's a computer driven storage solution. It's not just an interface to a card. It 
connects to a, an Ard, or no, a, a beagle bone, which is like an Arduino, but it connects to a beagle bone. The beagle bone is a like a microprocessor computer that's like Arduino, and that does all the work. So it's got an intelligent interface. It's, think of it as the 1541 drive to MFM. Okay, so um, moving along, let's see. Yes, your, oh, your next one. So now my Commodore SX64, which in fact is by the same seller. So the same seller looks very similar to the one that you mentioned. Uh, this one, I think on yours it said very good or excellent or something, right? This one just says working condition. So I guess it's not quite as... But it's the same guy in a Midway, He's Utah. Using the same picture. Is it the exact same picture? Yeah, because the cursor was under the E in ready and not under the R in ready. Huh. So I wonder if he's selling a bunch of these and just using the same picture for it. Hmm. Well, actually, it says Commodore SX64 in excellent condition. I believe this that this has never been used. <laughs> it's sold for less than the one that you talked about. So that's interesting. It appears to work great and boots up as new. Uh, the screen image and glass screen. Screen is clear and there are no lines. Handle has original wrapping paper on it. Wow, white on it. Good working condition. It serves as a stand, blah, blah, blah. Keyboard works in front of the computer. It's got the same amount of dirt on top. This is a vintage machine. There's no way to fully your part. Yeah, wow. I mean, then th- I think this person for $135 got a great deal. Unless he sold the one and it didn't go through and he put it up again. And oh, you think again. so? No, they, I think they it's- ended... Let's talk, this one ended on May 1st, and I believe I looked at that, too, where yours – let's look at yours. Yours ended on May 1st, too, I think. So I think they were separate ones. Yeah, well, you know what? They ended at different times, but yours ended on May 1st, too, at, at like six hours later. I think he's using the same picture. Now, it's possible he had several of these and didn't want to set each one of them up. Uh, you know, maybe one looks like the rest. yeah. Or just the same time, right? They look, yeah. They're close enough. So, uh, all right. Well, there you go. And now I'm kind of interested to see. I wonder if he sold any other ones. So it used to be you could easily f- find that out on eBay. Now, now you can't do that so much. I'd have to just have to do a search for sold or unsold SX64s and just click on them. I don't know why they feel like they got to hide all that information. Well, now. it seems like he uses the same title, so that would be easy to find that way. Oh, yeah. In working condition. All right. Well, you go ahead with your next one. I'll see My next item, I actually I'll see stumbled I can find across out. looking for stuff. So I thought I'd throw it in here because it's, um, it's associated with the SX-64. And I did not know these existed. But it's good that they do. This is a one, one of the chips in... A lot of Commodore 64s and SX64s is called the PLA. In fact, a lot of systems have that. It's kind of like the glue logic that put that allows uh, the, the other parts to work together and become a functional computer. Mm-hmm. Well, when a PLA in an older computing system goes, unless you have another one, it's like it's like trying to find another SID chip. You know, um, you're kind of lost. You know, you, you don't have that PLA anymore. You either got salvage one from some other system or in this case apparently somebody has created oh someone's a, making them wow he's making a pla so i have an idea how he's doing this he's got his own custom board which is pin compatible to the original pla and the plas are um 
have a pretty standard pinout for like a certain class of uh, PLAs. It's kind of something that gets manufactured with the programming already built into it. Um, kind of like those, um, oh, what do we have now? Those, I forget what they're called. It's, you know, something slipped your mind earlier, now something's slipping my mind. Uh, FPGAs. It's kind of like an FPGA, and that's probably what he's using here. He's using an FPGA, which is pin for pin mapped to the same pins on the original PLA. Yeah. And so it's a plug-in re- replacement. Now, this is his sold auctions. He doesn't have any right now that are active. So he probably gets these manufactured, sells them all, probably gets more manufactured and sells them. Huh. And if he brings them back again, I might just have to snag one to have it. Maybe he's just testing the water, the demand and all. Well, he's at least sold two sets. That's yeah, really interesting. And I think this is this is actually pretty neat. Um, it's just funny that yeah, well, you know, he has a re- picture in here that shows you where it's at. Yeah, it's right beside the uh, uh, the sixty five oh two and beside the sixty five eighty one, and it's yeah, it's the glue logic. But I didn't hear of this before. Other people may have heard it, but I know I didn't hear it before. But this is a great idea. Well, according to Wikipedia, the PLA has a set of programmable AND gate planes, which link to a set of programmable OR gate planes, which can then be conditionally complemented to produce an output. Yes. That's what they call glue logic. It just allows the the signals to be bridged together between devices that might, uh, for any reason, it could have uh, timing might be just a little bit mismatched, and this takes care of that, or it maybe to gang a whole bunch of signals together into fewer wires or fewer lines, whatever the case is. Uh, PLA stands for Programmable, Programmable Logic Array, and it's the predecessor to FPGAs, which is Field Programmable Gate Arrays. Hmm. Um, you know, something like this would work for if somebody designed it for the, um, the TRS 80. Model 4 and Model 3 because they have like uh, what they call gate array or they have some like an older style version of that. I forget what it's called, but it's really what helps put computer circuits together. And it's great that this guy does this and, and the price seems quite reasonable for what it is. I mean, I guess he could charge more and people would still buy it, but uh, I'm going to keep my eye on this one. I think this, this is a great idea and if it works, uh, yeah, people who have Commodore sixty fours as they as they age and these things go bad. I want to just corner somebody, the market. He, maybe he will. <laughs> uh, I want to see somebody do this with a SID chip. Uh, somebody who can do that is going to make a lot of money. Oh no! Did SID I chip runs? Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> oh no! I chose the same. I chose the same computer as you. Did you? It. Yeah. On the um, the portable two. Sorry. Do you want to change that real quick? Yeah. Okay. And we can do, we can, we'll do, Why don't we'll I do go it to live. My next random auction while you do that. Oh yeah, you go ahead. You do that okay. while I'll pick one out. Yeah, that's there. You go. I'll have my random auction um, because David had too much to drink and uh, <laughs> picked something I picked. <laughs> <laughs> I picked for my random auction this time. I picked. Uh, which something that kind of reminded me of a Kim board. It's called a SIM board, S-Y-M. And basically it's a 6502 microprocessor trainer made by Center Tech, single board computer. For those who've 
seen the Kim ones and stuff, uh, this is pretty much something similar uh, in style. You have a alphanumeric keypad with a few extra buttons. Or actually, it looks like a membrane keypad. And then a six-digit LED display, uh, the CPU, some RAM. And this looks like it's a little more expandable, and it has a built-in speaker, a piezoelectric speaker. So it, I believe somebody took the uh, uh, Kim idea and expanded upon it and made a, a SIM, S-Y-M. Oh, yeah. Who was that made by? It, it is uh, Cinertech. Okay. Yeah, because I remember I've heard of those. I've, yeah, I'm copyright to... 1978 Cinertech. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I've seen those before. So I wonder if somebody could build one of these. Let's see. Yeah, I think it is compatible, right? Yeah, for the most part, because you have a 6502 that you're programming, and it has 4K on board. So really, all the Kim did is just... Um, it was basically an uh, unauthorized clone. It had a... The Kim had a memory map, and you just programmed your uh, code in, in hex form, starting at a certain address, and you would run it from whatever address you started to store your program. So this can work the same way. There was no... Like uh, for computers at that time, there was like a, a a basic range of RAM that was for basic only, um, and it started at a specific point. No, the way these things worked is you say, I want to start my program at one zero 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 hex. So you type that value in, and you start putting in your op codes, and and then you run your program at one zero 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 hex. Hmm. And I don't know if you already said this, so it came out two, about two years later than the Kim one. Yeah, I forgot when the Kim one came out, but yeah, I knew it was in the seventies. But yeah, this definitely looks like a beefed up um, Kim. Yeah, and it's neat. The guy has a pretty decent uh, explanation here, or the woman. So he has more <laughs> I/O ports too. The person uh, edge cards and stuff, and it looks like it has uh, room for ROMs, additional ROMs, if you wanted to put your own ROM in. Uh, to fill in some memory. What's that sort of a uh, burnt looking uh, circle disc on that on the is board? a piezoelectric speaker. Oh, wow. Is it like burnout? No, it's, it's a piece of brass with a, um, like a, an insulator separating it. Yeah. Uh, I think that might be the piezo element. And then the, like a, I guess it's not tin or aluminum, maybe steel. I forget what material it is in the center of that. So what you'll see is you'll see the shiny silver ring, and then you'll see a thin ring around that. That's the insulating material, the separating material. I think that's the piezo material. And then you have the brass in the back. And then uh, you see two wires, one to the centerpiece, one to yeah. the brass. And then that, any audio that goes in there will make it vibrate and buzz. It's the same kind of speaker that you would find in um, like a, a wristwatch that you know has an alarm. It's uh, piezoelectric. Uh, it would be the same kind of speaker that they used to put in those Mattel handheld games, too. Hmm. It's just dirty. It, it, they, yeah, they're not meant to be pretty. Filthy. They can oxidize. They can oxidize. And so this hasn't sold yet. This is still going. This is still new. I, this, yeah, I just saw it. I thought, yeah, I got to put this in for my. So it'll probably sell for, what do you think? It's got two days. It's one hundred fifty-two dollars. Well, fifteen bids. Uh, how many different people are bidding here? It may go up a little bit more. I think it probably will. It probably. One, I bet you it might go up to over a little over two hundred bucks. Two, three, four, five, six, 
seven, about eight separate bidders. So but it's likely at least go up a little bit more. Well, somebody somebody new came in at 150 bucks, and, but that wasn't enough. Um, somebody was bidding since 55 dollars, and they kept winning bids. Um, now they're up to 152, 50. So, oh, yeah, I yeah, 200. I I I would agree. I have to try to remember to. Oh, and to that's look. the state college. Plus, it has the box. I mean. Who was that guy that was beside my table at VCF East? He oh. was from State College. I wonder if this is his stuff. And uh, oh uh, yeah, Pennsylvania. Hmm. Maybe. All right. So I got my auction. You found so, something, yay! So I changed it, and it's a compact portable three computer, and that's the sure. Name why not? Of the auction. That'll, that'll close it up. Yeah, and kind of close the loop. And so this one sold. On April 24th for just $49.99, one bid, $48 uh, expedited shipping out of Netcong, New Jersey. Oh, I remember seeing these. So um, this is the kind where it became a um, more of a lunchbox, I'd call it, style. So uh, very cool. And this one has an orange display. The the gas discharge display. Yeah, actually. And this thing works. And man, someone got a deal on it. Yes, they did. So, let's see what's this say. Contact Located Portal 3. Jersey. Yeah, working condition. Shipping. Model 2660. The wires on the keyboard are a bit frayed as seen in the photos above, though it still works. That seems to be a common thing with uh, where the cord attaches to the keyboard, either at the unit or at the keyboard. Yeah, because they get pulled and they start to fray and stuff over time or the that rubber sort of dries it, out and cracks it drops off the table and then then it gets pulled that yeah but I it's see that. you could just put like electrical tape on it and it's probably just fine or or just be careful that or they actually alone. have heat shrink electrical tape you wrap it around then you heat it with a heat gun and it shrinks like heat shrink tubing yeah but um yeah that's a neat neat machine so you know if you want it there there you go you know you can't really buy um and does it have the specs on it I'm going to say it's still an XT class. I believe Maybe it is. I'm looking at the keyboard. Uh, it's a 10-function keyboard. So yeah. So likely XT. But now it's starting to get, you know, it's hard to get XTs and 286s, even just generic ones for less than a couple hundred bucks. And then you have really? to have a display and everything else. And here you go. You can pick these guys up pretty cheap still. I still have my – you know, I have a Toshiba T1000 – that I got to fix the battery in so I can use it because it's one of those systems that you need a good battery in it yep. before you can even plug it in. Yeah, because the system to have that. runs off the battery the whole time. And, you know, I can play the old games like Leisure Suit Larry in, in that multicolor shade of blue on the LCD display. And I think there's some people out there who, uh, I mean, you probably might know how to do it yourself, rebuild the battery. But I think there's some people out there who, who do that now. There, there are, and that's a good market for some people to be in. And I, I can do that. Uh, you can do it with regular batteries if you use enough heat, and you can get solder to stick to the tabs. Or what the best way of doing it is to buy the what they call I think sub C batteries. They're like C size batteries, but just a little shorter, and uh, they already have the solder tabs on them. It's just a, I, I got to do that for my my uh, Macintosh portables. Um, they both have bad batteries, and yep. I know the built i just have to do it before my capacitors go bad on the boards or else they won't work for me uh it's again one of those things that i wish i just had 28 hour days or something you know nine days a week to to work on this stuff 
and some of the early Zenith, a lot of the early uh, laptops, you know, laptop proper, not not luggables or portables, because they had batteries in them. But a lot of them worked that way. And I know I had an old Zenith, and it was the same deal where it, it ran it ran off the battery, and when you plugged it in, it's just constantly recharging the battery. So yes. when, once the battery is completely dead, even if you plug it in, it doesn't work because it has to be able to draw the power right out of the battery. And then you have to be able to split those battery cases without cutting your finger off. <laughs> so I guess that, so since we, you, you had to go, I was getting another one. So it leaves the last auction to me. And uh, so I chose um, the SWTPC 6800 in custom case with plexiglass cover rare is the description. And this is from the somewhat famous now vintage computer museum seller out of, uh, oh, okay. Do, do pay, do poo, depu, D E P E W New York. Depew. And it is, it's going to end in 18, a little over 18 hours. So I think we just may be able to get the podcast up before it ends, but it's at a buy it now at $890, which isn't too bad. It's a very interesting looking computer. Now, again, it's not in the, there is one and it might be the same seller on eBay in the proper case. I think it's for like over $2,000 and this isn't a, what there's calling a custom case, or I think it's more of a homebrewed case would be the more. Yeah. Oh, it has the logo on it. But anyway, this is very interesting. So uh, I, we covered this in our earlier shows. So yes, it, we did. Uh, so, of course, the Altair and the MSI and all that, a lot of the early microcomputers were S100 machines, the bus. The uh, Southwest Technologies um, computers were, this was the SS50 bus. And then this used, of course, the 6800 Motorola processor versus the Intel 8080. Like how the back of it has a full-size outlet. Yeah. Yeah, so that's like a yeah, that's neat. Isn't Why it? did they do that on my Commodore sixty four? <laughs> they all should have done that. But very, I think this is a very interesting system. And and so okay, so the reason I chose this system is um, Jeff and I we're we're working on uh, interviewing Bob Applegate, who we both excuse me saw at VCF East, and Bob is a creator of um, I'm not sure exactly. What he, I think he's I, I don't think formally he's calling it this, but it's it's the uh, SWTP clone. Get it? C and then clones, clone. Yes. So he basically made a reproduction of this machine, and it's completely compatible with the original. So you could use his reproduction parts to fix an original, or take original parts and stick it in his reproduction, and vice versa. And it's, so he was in the vendor section. Wasn't yeah, he? and he was yeah, in the and, vendor section, and then he added more functionality to it. Very very cool. And um, so we hope to interview him. And just by the way, I can say this on on the show that he's had a bad cold. And so I'm still waiting to hear from him to see if he'll be available this weekend. But he may still be under the weather and and so may might not be till next weekend. We will try our best. But we're going to interview him. And also his uh, his SS50 Flex clone or whatever is I'm going to be getting one from him. I'm buying one from him. And I'm, ex- oh. I'm excited about that. So I, I just think it's pretty neat. I have I have the Altair clone, of course, but it's a functional reproduction as far as uh, it looks like the real thing and then operates like the real thing, but inside it's not the real thing. Where this one is runs like the real thing, is compatible with the real thing, doesn't look like the real thing. I think that's the right way to. <laughs> the yeah, so definitely a lot smaller, but you can still get the functionality. But get on. get this, Bob's a real interesting guy in in set, setting up this interview. It's uh, like the Raspberry Pi of the original. You know, it, it's a smaller form factor, but it still does everything the original is expected to do. Oh, and you bought something from Bob 
last year, right? You bought he makes a little. Did key, I? Didn't you? Or no, no, maybe I'm confusing no, with the Oscar. No, that was Oscar. You bought the yes. Kim one. I bought the Kim one. Okay, so. Thing and, but here's uh, something it's neat. I like it. Here's something interesting about Bob, which we're going to talk to him about. And uh, and I didn't. I knew his name seemed familiar, but yeah, apparently it's a, a palindrome. No, no, no. But he was interviewed by James and John at the Retro Madcast like six years ago. And the reason was because he worked for Franklin Computers for for a number of years and helped. Oh. And he was an engineer and helped design. I hope I'm getting this right. But he 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 played a. a you know, a significant role at Franklin computers. And he's got a lot of history to talk about uh, just about that. So when we interview him, we'll, we'll ask him all about that neat stuff as well as he's built this SWTPC clone. So that's going to be an interesting discussion. Um, it, it sounds, it sounds real interesting, especially to hear, you know, I mean, the SWTPC is great, but to, to hear how uh, things were in a, in a clone factory. Yeah. So don't, so everybody listening, don't jump out there and listen to, that old interview yet. No. <laughs> Actually, I guess you can, I'm not going to listen to you. I want to make sure that we approach it. I, you know, I approach it with fresh questions. We'll see what we can do. We'll, yeah. We're gonna... Hopefully it'll uncover some more in other interesting things that, but anyway, so check out this machine too. Cause I think this is a really interesting machine that someone can pick up. I don't think it's a bad deal. Uh, shipping's like 63 bucks to me. 56 to me. Should be even cheaper to you. Like next door, yeah, just like it depends on how it was shipped. If it was shipped, uh, it, there's like a zone just around your local area, and then after that, everything goes up. I actually kind of like price. it in that unique that uh, homebrew case. Yeah, and some of the boards are homebrew. It looks like they have handwritten uh, labels on them. And I know Bob is investigating at least trying to make a case for his uh reproduction so you know it doesn't have a case and actually i introduced him to oscar they had met before but so hopefully maybe oscar who makes the pdp clones and um that's right he has reproduction cases and stuff yeah well he can help him you know with ideas about how to get like plexiglass and other kind of stuff like that but um but i've even thought about maybe i maybe i might try to build some simple little wooden case to put it in like people used to do I forget, was it about six, seven inches wide? Yeah, the main the board on the bottom. No, probably a little bit bigger than that. Excuse me, I'm going to say like nine by six, printed. maybe. And then it's it stands maybe eight or nine inches tall. Okay, that's right. And then you have the, you have like a, a you know standard wall, what is it called? A war, wall wart or a type yes, of plug. Wall wart. And, uh, you know, could put that inside the case, maybe. But that'll be interesting. They talk to him. And there you go. Oh, so I added a line item here on our notes. So let's talk values. So what's your takeaway? What do you think? So what's a typical SX64 worth? I I know we kind of talked about it. but Yeah, I, I picked mine uh, after looking at all the different prices of ones that were currently sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think 175 is a good target amount yeah. for one that is complete. And as long as it's not too beat up you know like it was fought over during a divorce and thrown out the window i agree um, i mean if it still works that's great that's a testament to how how good they were built but um yeah it, it has dust and dirt there's going to be scratches on those cases they they just scratch right and dirt comes off dirt cleans up typically as long as it's not all scratched up or dinged up or but i agree i'd, I'd kind of put in the middle of r2 that that one person sold. So let's just say $150 would be just a good average for a generally good, complete, clean 
SX64, not necessarily a lot of extras or anything. And, um, you know, shipping like, is the wild card. Yeah. Shipping, you're going to at least pay, it's a heavier thing. You're going to at least pay, I'd say, 50, 60 bucks for shipping. Um, and of course, if you're patient and you watch carefully, you can definitely get one cheaper. But you have to be a little more patient and wait, wait it out some. Um, and you can certainly find one local to you. Yep. And or you'll certainly pay, you can pay more for one that's in especially nice condition or has a lot of extras with it and so on. So, how about the um, compact portables? I'm guessing about uh, 100, 125. Yeah. For an original ones too. And then yeah. the original form factors. And then seemingly they kind of, as you get they newer drop. ones, as, as they, two and three come up. Yeah. Yeah. You can still pick up those threes and the lunchbox styles and then even the later plasma ones. I think they kind of start going up again with the plasmas, right? The fours or whatever they are. As those plasma displays fail. Or 386s. Um, fail for good. It's hard. Uh, see, here's one. Um, uh, portable three. Sold for parts repair. Estate fine. Untested. 25 bucks. Buy it now. Well. But only free local pickup in Hollywood, Florida. No thanks. Yeah, I mean it looks absolutely clean. I if, gee, it was if it was twenty five bucks and maybe twenty five for shipping, I'd buy it broken just to have the clean case and then find one that yeah. works. Swap it out. And of course, um, just while we're on the subject, there's you know there's obviously the um, the IBM luggable, and I think they I think they made a revision of it too, right? I want to say maybe not, but yeah, there, there's a there's a few other and certainly lunchbox style of these these XT class you know early PCs out there, and even some generics, you know. So I think they're these particular these machines are fairly cheap and easy to, to get. This is sort of a bargain collectible. Yeah, I found a portable personal system too, model P seventy. It has the flat screen. It looks like it opens up. Um, it's slim when it's closed, but then it opens up like the the compact three. Oh, there were some of those for sale at the LCD um, display. The show here, I think. Um, how much are they people buying those for? Uh, this <laughs> God, I don't remember now. They're getting ninety nine. Yeah, so you know, so collecting luckables could be a fairly you know uh, inexpensive entry into the hobby and have a niche. So we got one good uh, email feedback. Yes, and I'll summarize this. Uh, basically, let's see, Dan- Danzo emailed us and says he's um, he's finally caught up with all the episodes and uh, he wanted to drop some feedback, and we thank him very much for that. Um, he likes the eBay auctions part of the show. He, he he likes the older format. Oh, he's not. I thought it was the other way around. I thought he was especially. <laughs> didn't we get an eBay where someone especially liked the new format recently uh, or no? Or we heard that at the show or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Or maybe we're just imagining it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say one of the latter two. But yeah, uh and I I know I had mentioned before I I personally want to go back into an older format even if I did it myself. Um because I I know what it had the eBay stuff works out really good because we're we're judging value for collectors when we do the eBay only stuff. Um so you know we try to we try to feel the pulse of uh the, the collector's hobby and yeah. it it does work out well for that. And, you know, even ourselves, we, we learn things when we do that. Um, but still I'm not making any promises, but I do, I do 
uh, personally want to go back and do some of the ones, you know, I'll do them solo and that's not a problem. I know you're busy, David. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't do any more since then. Yeah. It's hard Uh, to do. It's hard to, it's hard to do podcasts alone. It it does take some research, uh, because we want to dig a little deeper than, you know, something we, we want to go below the surface. And that did take a lot of time doing that. Yeah. Um, but, it, it deserves to be revisited sometime, and there are plans. Uh, I just can't make any promises right now because of time. But and that's really what you know, it is. And these Probably. shows, these shows are going to go on. Um, we're, we're not going to. We don't plan on ending this. Uh, we'll probably come up with something new as we go through. Maybe you know, go through the series again with a slightly different perspective. But we appreciate your comments, Dan, and I think Absolutely. I think we have um, peppered the show with a little more history just a little bit more i think we're we're bringing back into it and i think we could maybe even you know take it just a little further but yeah but but you know that was that was me that was me sort of changing the show because it just took a lot of time and and i kind of felt like you know i sold jeff on the idea i kind of felt like i just wanted to keep it a little more just sort of casual. <laughs> Is that the way to describe it? But if I do the other... So that we're more conversational. That's right. the word I want to say. But he may stuff in it. So um, because we've got this separate thread. And, it, and if I do go back to that, it's actually going to split into two separate uh, feeds. So we also don't want to confuse everybody either. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of gear turning behind the scenes here. Um, but certainly understand... And, and appreciate the uh, desire for more of the detailed episodes. Yeah. Um, it's got to work in that time. And so maybe it's time for a special. Uh, and also, if I don't make any mistakes, and that's my quick segue to something I have to mention now. Oh, yeah. Uh, the last episode was supposed to be – the last episode of the podcast was supposed to be um, our talk about the VCF East where David and I both met in person for the first time. And you guys didn't hear this. You only read it um, because some we had a little problem uploading the show file. And I was going behind the scenes trying to get things all in the right place. And I picked a wrong file by name. We actually have two files out there that have VCF in the name. So I ended up putting the one, the first VCF one, which was, I believe, our interview with uh, Evan Koblenz. So I fixed that today. Um, nobody cared when you when you hear this one check your podcast feed to see if it refreshed the previous episode with the newer uh file if not you um you might have to delete that episode i don't know i think every pod pod uh feed burner uh works a little differently you might have to delete the last episode and have it refresh it and it'll bring the new copy yeah, down. i mean or you can just go to or the site to the website yeah, yeah download it manually or just listen to hour, it 15 minutes long because we always try to keep it under an hour <laughs> we're coming up on it yeah we are coming up on, on this one um uh, so yes i i made a mistake and um but now, i want you to just picture while jeff's been talking you have, two. you have a two for one week so just picture me off to the side, um, pointing at Jeff and like shaking yeah. my head in disgust. This says I'm with stupid and making faces. <laughs> <laughs> I should just edit, I should just Photoshop that picture now, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, so if you haven't listened to it, then now go listen to it. 
Yeah. Because it was a good show. I'll block a little longer so you can hear them both at the same time. And, you know, our earlier shows were good shows. We, we definitely put a lot of work into it, and I think they were all good shows. And um, so maybe we can evolve it a little bit more, yeah, or, or uh, uh, maybe somebody else could step in with you, Jeff, and, and buddy up to maybe do some more of those kind of shows. Anything's possible. So either way, we plan on keeping this going as long as we can. So anyway, then I guess that'll do it. That'll wrap up show 12 and uh, next eBay sh- 12. Yep. eBay show 12. So next show will be uh, eBay show 13 and it will release on Friday, May 20th. We're going to be covering the Epson HX 20 and uh, the grid compass. And Hey, here's the first, I'm going to tell you about future shows. How about that, Jeff? We'll have it planned out, reference now, what, what we're going to do after the fact. And people so, will hold us to that. So stay tuned as we also cover the Radio Shack TRS-80 Model 100. Got the, one. The Toshiba T1100. I got the 1000. The Data General 1. The Cambridge Computer Z88. The Apple Macintosh Portable and I hope more. I get mine running. As we continue our second tier laptop coverage. You can find all of our show notes at the history, well, at historyofpersonalcomputing.com and you can send us feedback at feedback at historyofpersonalcomputing.com or you can tweet to us at our Twitter feed or you can, excuse me, make comments at our Facebook page. Uh, however you choose to get a hold of us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and so e- email co- comments or postings are always great. But um, I always want to tell anybody, you know, play around with your audio capability and send us something. We'll play it on the show. <laughs> Yeah, make a make a audio co- commentary, and we'll be happy to play it. And make sure to uh, tell someone about us and share us with with your your wife, <laughs> your your boss, your employer, the nice police officer that pulls you over for speeding. Just tell them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you'll, you'll make their day. Taking you in on charges, but you know you still tell him about it. Maybe he'll play it in. <laughs> So, uh, oh, so yeah, before we close up, um, yes, yeah, so you're going to go to, or, or, or are you, Jeff? You're going to a Vintage Computer Festival, um, I'm mess up here, Midwest. Yeah, not Southwest, Midwest. I, it's not a you're positive. You're not. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, it was quite a drive, and the logistically, it, it was, I had to go at least at one time, and I did. I'm glad I did. Okay. Um, but it is a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Uh, as far as distance and stuff. Chicago. Chicago. So that's in September, and of course, West is in August, and I think I'm going to be going to that, I believe, with my employer. I think I'm supposed to go. I need to ask about that. So we'll see. And uh, oh, and just to mention, um, it's been postponed. We were really trying to open this month, but did I talk about this last show? But we are officially going to open. That, I don't that know. Is... Nobody heard last show. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, then I won't say anything. I'll say something next time. <laughs> so that's it for this episode, everyone. Remember, caveat emptor at let the buyer beware. And see you next time. See ya. on eBay. I'll buy your knickknack. Just check my feet.